Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 there's a gap between desire and conceived and that's called preoccupation that means that the lure that was cast out there you're dwelling on you're thinking you're, you're thinking about it before conception takes place and a pregnancy happens, there's a preoccupation stage where you've gone beyond just the temptation hitting you and you putting it down, taking the thought captive, stomping it out, you begin to think about it. This is what, in my mind, this is what happened with Eve. Uh, The word says when they saw, it's not the seeing that was the problem. You cannot ever, ever be isolated from temptation. There's no way. There's no way. We, you could move to the remotest part of this world, move into a grass hut, and live there by yourself, and temptation's going to hit. It's not the saw. It's what happens after the saw. So with Eve, it, it, she's sitting there still talking about the fruit with Satan. With, with David, instead of turning his head and running the other way, he continued to dwell. There was a point where it did conceive. And then with Achan, of course, same thing. He saw it, and the Bible says he coveted it. So it didn't just stay there at Saul, and he saw it. He actually got to the point where he coveted it. There's this stage called preoccupation. And, And like right now, you know, some of you may have got a text message. You may have got a Facebook message. And you know it's not right, the road you're starting to go down to. And a good test of when, and I'm talking about, because this becomes the big issue in the church today in America, is that, you know, people running off with everybody else's spouse or whatever. It's happening quite frequently. The pornography's quit quite frequently. But, but you begin to think about that so much, and boom. When you shouldn't be thinking about it anymore, you, you recognize the temptation, turn from it. You don't need to continue to think about it. There's nothing in the Bible that says you need to key it. Gee, I'm just going to figure this thing out. That's not what happened to Joseph. Joseph in, in Genesis chapter 37, there he is. He's, he's there and Potiphar's wife is tempting him day in and day out. He ran ultimately. He said, I'm out of here. I'm not even going to quote scripture. I'm not going to get it. He just said, how can I do this thing against God? And boom, he was gone. And that's the way it should be dealt with. Because there is that point, it's called where it festers. I call it festering. That, or, or the pot of water, you just turned up the heat and you're waiting for it to boil. And it's just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And you know when that stage is. That's the interesting thing, what James is saying here. 
we already know. We already know. We know that point. We know when we're supposed to put that down. We know we're not supposed to go back to that website. We know we're not supposed to respond to that Facebook message without our spouse knowing. We know we're not supposed to text that person without the spouse being included. We know that. But there's something in us that likes to play footsie with stuff. Conception is the third, fourth word, conception, right? So between desire there, he says, um, then desire when it is conceived gives rest. So look at the metaphor. He's moving from a fisherman to now a woman who's pregnant and giving birth. He's now moving from the, the metaphor of a fisherman to a mother who has just conceived and is going to give birth. And, and this, is, this is interesting to me because I've seen this over and over again in my years of dealing with people that it almost is like when, when it conceives, there's a point of no return. Even though the sin has not actually taken place yet, they, they've not repented of it, and they've gone into this preoccupation stage, and now all of a sudden they're pregnant. The baby's coming. It's like, you know, when you get those home pregnancy tests, there's one line or two lines. There's no one and a half lines. You're either pregnant or you're not. And the point is never to get to that point of conception, James says. He says, you don't have to get there. Your desire, we know it's messed up at times. But you're now allowing it to get pregnant. And whenever it gets pregnant, it's giving birth to sin. It happens all the time. And it's not like there's never a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10 makes this clear. says, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. Do you, do you realize that whatever temptation you're facing today, man has faced since the beginning. Women has faced since the beginning. There's nothing new. Maybe it's coming by way a different alley or a different path that may be coming by way of iPhone or television now, but it's still coming, and it's still the same temptations. It's common to man. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Look at this. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, some don't even want to see the door. Door's right there, man. It's got exit on it. There's no... It's there. It's lit up. And if a fire broke out, everybody knows where to, to run. Well, <laughs> you don't want to run in there. That's actually the handicap elevator. So that's why there's no exit sign over there. But, but everybody knows because it's small. That's the way temptation is. We always see the door. We see it. It's, it's there. The question, do, do I want to run through that door? God will always provide the way of escape. When we were on vacation, we went through these things called escape rooms. Cameron talked us into going into these escape rooms, and it turned out it was the greatest family thing. I'm telling you, you got to take your family 
uh, it, it really, it's better than camping together when you talk about bonding. Because what you do is you start in this room and you got to figure out clues that lead you to a combination to a lock with a box that gives you another clue that you got to figure out. And you got to figure all this stuff out. And we challenged the guy. We went through three escape rooms. So it was our family. We went through one. We went through two. And we thought, well, when the other families get up, we're just going to challenge the adults against the kids. And we did. And boy, are we sorry we did that. <laughs> We're all bragging and stuff before we go into that escape room. And what was weird was they went in before us, right? They went in before us, and, and their time was at like 6.40, and ours was at 7.40 or so. There was, you know, you have an hour to get out. And so, so they go in first, and, and the guy actually, we thought they were still in there. But the guy told me, I said, oh, so they're still in there, huh? No, they got out in 30 minutes. What? <laughs> and and they're like, he's like, man, that is a bright crowd. So, so we go in there, and, and it was just hilarious. I mean, they were like, um, you know, it was, you had to come up with the remedy. There was a virus, and it was scientific. You had to get the um, antidote before it killed. The virus kills everybody. And so we, you could ask for clues, and we're asking for clues, and the guy gets on the screen, and he says, always wear your, we said, clue, clue, you can raise your hand. Clue, clue, and he says, okay, always wear your safety equipment. There was a yellow full suit, you know, with the goggles and everything, safety equipment, a mask and all this that you can put on. And so I thought the guy was wanting us to put it on. So I, I grab it and I'm trying to put this thing on. And the kids are watching on an iPad out there because they, they had finished it. So the guy's letting them watch what we're doing. And we're running in there. And, and he says, look, you can put the... So I'm putting it on. It wouldn't fit me. So I said to my father-in-law, here, you put it on. And, and then to, to Rebecca, I said, here, put on these goggles. And she's got glasses, puts on the goggles. And she's like, I said, look at the TV. There's got to be something in that TV that's a signal. None of it counted. None of it mattered. There, there was a clue on the goggles. You didn't put them on and, and things like that. But, but here we're trying to figure out how to get out of this escape room. God doesn't do that with us. God doesn't make us try and figure it out. There's always a door that's well lit that we could run through. The question is, do we want that door even? Because the evil, fallen desire of the flesh always wants to play footsie with that stuff. And the final word is destruction. So this is what he says. He says, look, when he gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin always brings forth destruction. It's almost like a picture of a guy, a kid growing. You know, you have the baby and you feed it and it grows and it grows and it grows. And that's the way sin works. It never just, you know, you get involved in something and people find themselves weeping one day. How did I even get to this point? Because they kept feeding it. It was growing and growing and growing. And all of a sudden, boom, death. Death to the marriage. Death to the kids. Death to themselves. Regardless of how many people tried to jump in there and stop it and try and prevent it. Because I don't know if you know this, but you're, we're a body here. Do you know that the people sitting around you are brothers and sisters in Christ? And you're not just supposed to call, hey, Pastor Walt, so-and-so's in sin. No, you're supposed to do that. 
The minute that, that our body can start keeping other people accountable for their lives and developing that loving relationship where we can approach people and turn them from their sin before destruction hits, before death comes to a family. That's what God wants. This is a body. We're family. We would do it for our own blood brother, our own blood sister, and yet we want to turn our head on guy because we live in a day where, where they lie to you. They say you're not supposed to meddle with somebody's life. If they're in sin and they're going down the wrong road in destruction, you have every right biblically to go to them and say, look, as a brother in Christ, I want you to know this is what's going to happen. The Puritans, they had, you know what they called their counseling? They called it warning ministry. You know why they called it warning ministry? Because when they would counsel, they would sit and somebody would sit in front of them and, and the, whatever problems, and they would give them scripture and they would warn them if you keep doing this and going down this road, then this is what's going to happen. But we live in a day where we coddle our kids, where we, we don't raise them the way we should. In many homes, our kids are running the household. And so we can't even disciple our own kids many times. The rapture of the church is coming. Do you realize that? That I believe wholeheartedly, without doubt, that the church is going to be caught up. That we will be raptured. And, and we, I went to a prophecy conference yesterday and the day before, Grissel and I, and, and Tom Hughes, who spoke at our prophecy conference, put this one on in Indian Wells, and he invited us to go to it. And so we couldn't say no, we went. And he had 16 speakers, Dr. David Regan, who's spoken here, Dr. Ed Heinsen, who's spoken here before. Dr. Ed Heinsen says, you know, I, I tell these kids about the rapture of the church. He's, over, he's dean of students over Liberty University, college-age kids. He says, I'm telling them about the rapture of the church, and we must be ready. And you know what the kids are saying? A lot of, oh, you know what? We don't want the rapture to come yet. We're, we want to get married. We want to experience marriage. And then he says, six months after they're married, they're saying, Dr. Ed, when is the rapture going to happen? <laughs> but man, this is, no, this is no time to play games. When James is dealing with this with a group of believers there, and, and what you see is exactly what happened with David. Think about it. The attraction. He's on the rooftop and he sees her. The deception that he started playing in his mind that he could get away with something with no consequences. He's king. He's got the power and he's got the position. Then the preoccupation. He had to be thinking what it would be like to be with Bathsheba. In, in the room with candles lit and everything else. And boom, next thing he's sending messengers. And then conception gets her to the palace and there was no turning back. It was full-blown pregnancy. And then she calls and literally conceived. And what happened through all of that? The sin had clouded David's judgment so badly. So badly. Clouded his judgment so badly. Rather than repenting after that, when she told him he was pregnant, he had her husband killed who was one of his right-hand men because sin grows. It grows. 
And that's what was happening. And, and then, then death comes. Death to Uriah, her husband. And then when Bathsheba gives birth to the baby, the baby died. This is, this is like an outline of a sermon on what happened to David, what James gives. So that, the good thing is it doesn't stop their friends listening. And I'll blow through this because I realize the time. I've got six minutes to get through this. There is protection. You, we looked at the pattern of temptation. Now I want you to see the protection against falling into temptation. And, and James, see, at first when you read this, it almost seems like it doesn't fit these next few verses, that it's kind of out of character, but it absolutely does fit. He, he first of all says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He's going to carry this on. He's going to carry this on. So what I want you to see is that you need to learn the pattern of temptation. Learn what was just seen here in the Scriptures on how temptation works. Learn it so well. That's why he says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. What happens to you instantaneously, he wants you to respond instinctively the way God would want you to respond. It's like Soli. You remember Soli, the guy who landed the airplane um, in the Hudson River? I forget what airlines and all that. It was a long time ago. But, but here's a guy, he gets a bird strike and all the engines go out. And now he's got to find himself landing a, a passenger plane filled with passengers in a river safely. And, and they said so many things went on in his mind and he had to do so many things in order to make this a safe landing. He had to think, he was thinking, no, that airport over there is not, uh, there's no, not enough distance. He realized um, when the engines are out, how he's going to descend everything else. He said, no, I can't make that one. He had to turn flaps up, do this. Boom, he was busy doing stuff. He didn't lose it. Why? Because he was a veteran pilot that had been through it for so many... He had it in his mind and his heart. I believe he did what a rookie pilot couldn't do. That's what James is saying. Do not be deceived. Learn that to where it's second nature to you when the temptation comes, that it comes instinctively to you to respond to that. The second thing is believe the unchanging goodness of God. Believe the unchanging goodness of God. Look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The Father of lights is an ancient Jewish title for God, referencing Him as Creator, as the great giver of light in the form of the sun, the moon, and the stars. The Jewish people would call God the Father of lights because at creation He provided all the light. And what, what James is saying is, look, don't, don't focus on just this. He says, focus on the bigger picture of what God's given you. That at creation, when he was done with creation, he looked at creation and said, it is very good. It is very good. It is very good. Because everything that comes from God is good. Our problem is we see something and Satan is a false advertiser, right? I mean, think about it. False advertisers are always pushing a product that can't deliver. You know, order these pills for $19.99 and you take two at night and you'll wake up five pounds lighter. 
you know, while you're sleeping, it's going to burn fat. Or You don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to exercise. Just take these. In fact, if you order now, we're going to give you one free bottle. So you have two months' supplies. And people fall into that because they believe that Satan always questioning God. See, listen to me. At the garden, when, when Eve was tempted... The Bible makes no distinction between the beauty of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he told them to stay away from. It wasn't like this tree of of the knowledge of good and evil is much more beautiful than anything God ever gave Adam and Eve. No, God put that there. He said, look at all I've given you. Look at everything I've given you, but I want you to show you love me by staying away from this tree. It wasn't that it had more beautiful fruit and that God was withholding something from him, but that's what Satan made it sound like. He didn't just attack God's word, he attacked God's character, making Eve think that God was withholding something. God knows that when you eat of the fruit of this tree, he knows your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. Wait a minute, I thought they were like God. God said, let us make man in our image. And so Satan, the false advertiser, comes and he's going to tell you whether it's wealth, whether it's power, whether it's position, whatever it is, that that this is going to satisfy you outside of what God's given you. God gave you a spouse. You thank God on the wedding day, but then after a while, God's gift is no longer good? Or is it your heart drifting towards something else? Is it your own desires? See, God gives without regret to us good and perfect gifts from above. The job, I can't tell you how many people I heard through the years say, you know, God opened up the door for me to get this job because it's double the pay I was making. And then they find out later it ruined their relationship with God. And it wasn't God giving them that. It was their own desires chasing that. That's why it's important to distinguish between God's will because Satan can open up doors too. So the last thing is understand the significance of the new birth. Look what he says, the closing verse of of this passage, 18, of, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And I don't have time to elaborate, elaborate all of that, but we've been adopted. It's basically speaking that we've been born again, adopted into his kingdom. You have been declared one of his children. And with that comes the right and privileges of sonship, of being a daughter with God. Everything in the household of God, you've been brought into that household And God has blessed us, and God has made things magnificent for us. And it's when we begin to lose sight of what He's given us and what He's blessed us with that our hearts begin to go after other things that aren't even His, from Him. Some of you are here, you're you're in that stage. Some of you, when that was being unfolded, you said, I'm in that stage, I'm in that stage, or I'm in this stage, or you're in bondage right now, and you know death is coming. It's only a matter of time. God is opening up his arms to you today. He's saying, come back. Don't be deceived. Recognize who you are. 
Recognize what I've given you and what I've blessed you with. That one tree pales in comparison to all the trees I've given you out there. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king of kings and Lord of lords. Maybe you need to do business with God today. Maybe you've gone beyond temptation and you're in bondage. The good news is God can deliver you. You say, well, how do you know, Pastor? I was in bondage to heroin. I was in bondage to drugs for 14 years and God delivered me. And He can deliver you today of whatever You cannot put God in a box. You cannot make Him small. He is the God who created all things and He can do anything. All you got to do is surrender to Him. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977